It's challenging to um, uh, preach a message here at uh, Keitha Heights that hasn't already been preached. Uh, Brother Boer is a tremendous uh, preacher. He covers a gamut of subjects, and I, I appreciate I appreciate his uh, uh, his focus on equipping the church with the, the needed doctrine of our day. And uh, if you're not grounded uh, in the Scriptures, as he often says, you need to be grounded in the Scriptures because if you're, if you're not, then you're going to be moved with every wind of doctrine that comes sweeping across our nation. And we are uh, experiencing quite a number of new doctrines that have come uh, rapidly and have gone just as rapidly. Uh, and you can rest assured when a doctrine doesn't stick, it's not of God. When it doesn't stay, when it doesn't have a lasting effect, it is not of God. It's just a, uh, just a, a fly-by doctrine, that a man-made doctrine. And so, uh, but in order, to know, uh, in order to know doctrine... And uh, to a point where you can uh, you can defend doctrine, uh, you, it takes time for that. It takes not just time to study, but it takes time with God. When I uh, and I'm certainly not a Bible scholar, I, I don't claim to be, but I just uh, I just knew uh, know over the years of reading and studying my Bible, that if I will open my heart when I open the book, allow God to teach me, um, He will. Just open, I want to be taught of God. I want to learn from God. And when I sit down and open my Bible, my very first thought is, Lord, teach me today. I am I'm listening. I'm willing Whatever it is that you want to reveal to me, it's, it's not just a, a certain amount of information, but it's direction for my life. And then, Lord, by your grace, help me to live that truth. And that's, that's what the Bible is all about. It's not just a book to gain knowledge by, although there's a lot, a lot that you can learn from the Bible. Uh, as far as information goes, it's a history book. It's a science book. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of information that you can glean from the Bible. But God didn't write the Bible just so we can glean information. He wrote the Bible so that we can walk according to His will. Our walk is completely different now that we're a child of God. It is strictly based on faith. And how miserably we fail in that area. The first time at least a little bit of circumstances disrupt our planned, uh, you know, uh, planned, uh, designed, uh, you know, schedule. Oh man, we're we're all practically beside ourselves, worrying and wondering where God's at. When the reality, when the reality is, God has designed for us a book that will cause us to more and more live and walk by faith. Our physical eyes very often are, are our enemy. 
because our physical eyes can only look at circumstantial evidence. It cannot see, physically see, behind the scenes, if you would, the spiritual work and warfare that's going on. God's purpose, God's plan, God's direction, that, that is not seen through the physical eyes. That only comes by faith. You know, the writer of the Hebrews said, uh, through faith we see. So you can see without your physical eyes. And it's through faith. Fanny Crosby, who was blinded as a little girl, terrible uh, uh, mishap that, that took place. I, uh, I believe it was a nurse's aide had administered some medication to her eyes and it was a wrong medication and it blinded her. Oh, the blessings that we have today received from a girl who could not physically see. The, the spiritual blessings from her ride thousands of hymns that she wrote, penned down, and never saw by, with her physical eyes, what she was pinning down. So take that to heart tonight, church. You, uh, you and I have a, have a, must allow God to continue His work in our life. Now, how does one increase faith? We just sit down one day and decide, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get more faith today. I'm just gonna make myself believe more. Well, that'd be pretty good if we could do that. The reality of it is, it ain't going to happen. And so oftentimes, circumstances play a key role in seeing our circumstances through faith than seeing our circumstances with just our physical eyes. Well, I tell you what, if you're, just, if you're hampered with circumstances being seen just through your eyes, you are more than likely pretty miserable most of your life. I'm telling you, this world has a lot of discouraging things that happen. And uh, if we're not careful as believers, we'll get caught up in the circumstance and, and just looking at it through our own physical eyes. By the way, um, drama is, is the absence of faith. Think about that. Drama. Ugh. Oh, this is so terrible. It might be terrible. But if you're only seeing through your physical eyes, it is terribly terrible. But if you can, by faith, part the circumstances long enough to see your God and my God, He's right there. He, hasn't, he has not moved one, one inch, one ounce. He's not changed His, his approach uh, in, in teaching us and, to, and helping us to grow as a believer. So, let's try to allow God to continue working in our hearts and our lives. Amen? 
Uh, we come in here, we, we have prayer requests, so there's going to be a lot of circumstantial uh, things that go on, and we are asking for prayer. And thank God we are. <laughs> uh, it will help us keep in perspective circumstances. Amen? Well, I'm not sure if that's an introduction to our message tonight, but it does go along with it. Second Kings chapter 4. We're going to read the first seven verses here. This story of, of uh, the widow and uh, Elisha, uh, uh, man of God, prophet of God, the one who asked God to give, uh, to give himself a double portion of, what, of the power that Elisha, uh, that Elijah had. And if you count up all the miracles that God used Elijah uh, to do, it was twice as many as Elijah did. Uh, I'm, uh, let me just say this about miracles. God is still a miracle-working God. But I don't have to believe, uh, I don't have to believe in miracles. All I have to do is believe God. And if he, however He so chooses to answer and to work, that's his prerogative. It's not mine. I've learned a, a, a few years ago now. It should have been a long time ago, but I learned a few years ago that I will never be able to figure God out in, in how He's going to uh, how He's going to move in certain circumstances. But He always has taken care of my problems. Always has. And uh, foolish is it for us to uh, go from one uh, mountain or I should say go from one valley to a mountain, and when we get to the mountain, we forget what God did in the valley because the next time we go in the valley, we're all, we're all beside ourselves again. A hand-wringing moment. I don't know what we're going to do. You don't remember. You know, when every time the disciples had one of them hand-wringing moments, what did, what did Jesus do? Oh, you have a little faith. What, what happened? What about the five thousand? You know, what about the past? What I did in the past? I did that so that your faith would increase. Amen. All right, Second Kings chapter four. Got to hurry now in the message. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditors come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in, thy ho in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go. Borrow the vessels abroad of thy neighbors, empty vessels, uh, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. When thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out uh, into all those vessels, uh, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass when... The vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, and pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. Well, there's some lessons here in uh, this uh, 
uh, in this story of the man of God, Elisha, and the widow woman. We don't uh, have a, a, her name. Uh, you know, uh, uh, there are some great... Um, there are some great things that happen in the Bible, uh, either by people or to people, that they never put their name there. I like that. I, I, it's, not, it's not important about our name. What's important is about His name. Amen? And uh, I, like the, I like the story because it, it puts things in perspective. But I want to just give you... Uh, just some th- uh, just some thoughts here, maybe uh, uh, maybe some lessons uh, we can glean from this story. And the first thing that we can that we uh, need to understand concerning this uh, terrible circumstance, it really is, is that we should never discount God's abilities, no matter how bleak the circumstance might seem. I've been in some pretty bleak circumstances. I'm sure that if we took the time. We could probably be here till midnight exchanging bleak circumstances. We all get them. If you, are, if you haven't had one lately, uh, uh, I mean, I'm not wanting to put you on the edge of your seat, but if God is your Lord and Savior and you have the Holy Spirit of God, there is a work that is, that is continuing to be done on your behalf. And God does use circumstances and unfortunately needs to use the bleak circumstances often to help accomplish His will in our lives. Uh, this is a widow woman who, uh, whose husband had died. Her, obviously, uh, uh, there was, uh, uh, there was uh, not just a, uh, a widow that had no husband to, uh, to provide uh, for the need for their needs, but uh, because of that, their their debt had become so high that uh, the creditor in those days. Aren't you glad we don't live in those days? I mean, most of us in here probably carry some type of debt. I would encourage you to get out of debt uh, as soon as you possibly can. Amen. Why, 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 preacher? I mean, it's a we're, we just live in a a debt-filled society. That, that might be true, but the Bible says that the debtor uh, is servant to the lender. The only servant that you and I should be is a servant to God. Amen? I've, uh, I've encouraged uh, uh, preachers along the way uh, and uh, get out from underneath their church mortgage. And uh, why is that? Because um, God's, God's uh, people that are giving, uh, giving to the church uh, they're having to take those gifts that are for the Lord and use that to pay a lender with interest. So we're we're taking God's money to pad the pockets of of a, of a lender. I, there's some to me. There's something wrong with that picture, Amen. And I know in our society, <clears throat> excuse me. I know in our society it's. You know, unless you inherited a million dollars or whatever, it's going to be almost impossible not to be in debt. I'm just saying to us, don't get comfortable with it. Get it paid off as soon as possible. And then, uh, you know, uh, have, some, have some financial disciplines set, set up in your own personal life so that you're not, a, uh, you know, one of these impulsive buyers, you know. 
Uh, you come home, ladies, you come home, I, honey, I saved you, I've saved you $300. Well, the, the husband's not interested in what you saved. They're interested in what you spent. And really important, you know, it doesn't matter how much you, how much you make if you do not know how to spend wisely what you make. You know, there are millionaires that are in financial trouble because they cannot handle their finances. So just a, that's just a side note. I think, I think that's good to be reminded uh, uh, of our own selves that we are merely stewards of, of the finances that we have. God is the owner, and we, are going, and we are expected to handle what God blesses us with in a responsible way. Boy, I'm, I'm already meddling, haven't even gotten into the, past the first point here. But, but uh, what, a, what a terrible testimony it is for a child of God to not pay their bills on time. Amen? What a terrible, terrible testimony it is. I, I remember... Uh, 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 some business that uh, we were interested in. Um, what, what, it was something to do with with finances, and I think it was a matter they were going to they were going to do services, and then we were going to pay them after it was done. And uh, we had mentioned another church in the area. For I don't not sure. I don't remember all the details of the of the uh, the story, but. Uh, when I mentioned that church, they said we don't do business with that church. They still owe us from from three times before their services that they had. What a terrible testimony that is! Yeah. We need to pay our we meet, we need to pay our debts as quickly as we can. The church as a whole needs to pay their debts if they accrue if they accrue debt. And it, you know, to, to, when you get into building programs, a lot, of, most of the time, you're going to end up having to borrow a certain, at least a certain percentage of it. You might not have to borrow the whole entire expense of it, but a certain percent will pay. You, you need to be determined. Pay that off quickly. Pay it off. You don't want to be a servant to a lender. We find here that uh, her debt was was uh, so high that the uh, creditor was now uh, uh, coming and. Uh, to collect. Now, in our day, if you don't pay your debt, I'm not sure. I guess I, they could put you in jail. Maybe I don't know. They don't hardly make you pay uh, anything if you you know go to jail because you didn't pay your bills. I don't know how that goes. Or you can claim bankruptcy or whatever. They didn't have those things offered in this society. Matter of fact, they wanted everything that was coming to them. And so. Uh, one of the rules that they had uh, uh, during uh, Elisha's day is if you owed uh, the creditor and you had to pay that off in a timely manner, if you were late or if you never could pay off the entirety, then they had the option of coming and taking your children and make them bond servants to pay off your debt. Well, that's that's a, a bleak situation here. Can you imagine a mother uh, who's... Uh, whose uh, debt is so high that there's just nothing that she can do uh, to pay this debt off. And now she's, she's having to face the reality that the creditor is now, and it says there in verse number one, that uh, uh, the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons. So he's already there. He didn't send a letter 
saying he's going to come in, in 60 days if, he, if you don't pay this in full. He is there at the door. And uh, this woman, thank God that she, uh, she knew the Lord and she knew that uh, there was a God uh, uh, in heaven that, uh, uh, that uh, had given to them a prophet of God and she immediately went to him when the circumstances were so, uh, the stakes were so high that uh, it was about, she was about to lose her sons. I can imagine what this mother did, uh, uh, what, what, she, uh, what she did. She dropped everything and went to the man of God. What a, what a gracious, uh, or I'm sorry, what a great uh, testimony uh, for this lady. She didn't have uh, much money, but she wasn't complaining. She wasn't begging. She, they had a pot of oil. They made do with what they had. So it wasn't a matter of going to the man of God to ask for money. She was going to the man of God because of her son. She wanted to, to keep her, their son, her sons from going into to a, a bondservant situation, for possibly for years. Well, kind of a bleak circumstance. Her creditor was coming to collect. So she goes there and she appeals to the man of God. And, uh, and uh, uh, thank God that she included God in her circumstance. You know, one of the, and I touched on this before we read our text, but uh, the circumstances have such an impact on us uh, and as believers, and it should not be the case Someone once said that uh, so oftentimes circumstances will ruin our lives because uh, we, we enjoy the circumstances that God gives to us when we should be focusing on the God of the circumstances. And here's what I'm saying. God does not change Circumstances are always changing. Boy, don't don't put your trust in circum. Don't put your trust in a job, brother Tommy. Circumstances change. God hasn't changed. God hasn't moved. God's still right where He's always been. He's always the same. The the Bible tells us that that He does not He does not move one aisle. He always is where He always is. And circumstances may come and circumstances may go. And we may have some great circumstances piled upon us because God is good. And then we turn around and have some bad circumstances because God is for our good. Amen? He wants, he wants to give to us things that are for our good. And unfortunately, because of our sinful nature, we need some bad circumstances sometimes. And so, unfortunately... Uh, we find uh, we find that this uh, widow woman has uh, very little uh, help uh, yeah, on her side, and so she appeals to the uh, to the man of God. Never discount God uh, and His abilities, no matter how bleak the circumstance. Uh, first lesson number two: God will not do for you what you can do for yourself. Now listen to this. Verse number three. Elisha, the man of God, says, Go borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors. Even if God, uh, uh, The man of God gave her some instructions to do something. He had, he had, uh, he had heard her request. He had, uh, uh, he had inquired uh, of, her, of her situation here. And then he gave her instruction. That is what God does. You know, uh, when, 
when Moses was called of God to go to Egypt to deliver uh, the children of Israel out of Egypt, Moses had all kinds of excuses, kind of like you and I do when all of a sudden we're, we're, God's starting to reveal something to us and we're going, boy, that, that's kind of a tough uh, order here, God. Uh, not, why don't you try somebody else? Hey, they're a lot better on, the, on this situation than I am. Well, if God wanted somebody else, he would have told somebody else. Uh, when God calls us, uh, speaks to our heart concerning serving God in some, to, in some capacity. And most people are terrified of public speaking. Uh, and so most, uh, most churches have just pretty much one or less uh, teachers or, and or preachers in the, in the church that can minister. Okay. Uh, I am a prime example of terrifying uh, public speaking, believe it or not. When I was in high school, we had, uh, we had to read our book report up in front of class. I had, I had written my book report. I had it all done, and I turned in on time. But I refused to read it because I was like, so, so shy. And I got a D uh, for that. I, w- I took the D happily. Uh, that was a lot better than having to get up and put my face uh, uh, behind a piece of paper and read it. I didn't even have to look at it. I just had to stand up there in front of them and read it. Couldn't. Terrified. God called me to preach. You can imagine. You can imagine what was going on in my life. Just terrified. Moses was similar to uh, that. He gives some good excuses, I think, if you want an excuse. Uh, he, couldn't, he couldn't speak well. He was slow at speaking. Uh, he, he was not a, you know, he was no orator. He, he was just, uh, he wasn't anybody important. And he gave God all these excuses and, and didn't change God's calling. My, my, my application here on this is, if God's calling you to do something you don't think you can do, God didn't call you so that you and your flesh could do it. He called you to do it so you by faith will do it. Serving God is an act of faith. If you're trying to serve God out of, out of the flesh, you're missing the boat and you're, you're in for some, uh, some turbulent times uh, when it comes to serving God. Uh, there's nothing easy... Uh, there's always a, 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 a certain amount of difficulty when it comes to serving God. God's going to test your abilities uh, on whether or not you are trusting Him or you're trusting in your arm of the flesh. Amen? One of the biggest difficulties of young men is their strength. Brother Harold now, he's starting to realize uh, the importance of faith. As he is, you know, going downhill because of he's he's aging like he is, and uh, he can't do what he used to do. And uh, reality of it is, I can't either. And uh, I'm still I'm still living in denial. But the the, the day is going to come when I'm going to say, Lord, um, if you don't do it, it's not going to be able, I, it's not going to be done because I cannot do it physically. You know, aging. Uh, there's a I think for, for older men, God is so gracious to us, fellas. 
He allows uh, He allows age to humble us. Aren't we Aren't we prideful? I trimmed 300 trees over at the golf course by myself almost. 300. Read them and weep. Well, what I'm not telling you is the recovery time. The recovery time reminded me you're not young, you're not strong. It's a wonder you're not in the hospital. Okay? God has a way of, in His own gracious way, to humble humble us. And we need to be humbled. God hates pride. He hates arrogance. And most of us in here, at one time or another in our life, have struggled with both. Never discount God's abilities, no matter how bleak the circumstances. God will not do uh, for you what you can do for yourself now. Uh, Moses could not be the leader that God called him to, to be. Uh, he, he did not have, he wasn't equipped with it. He was focusing on his, uh, on his, uh, on his uh, lack of abilities. God was focusing on his faith. By faith, we can. By faith, by faith, we can trust God to do what He's asked us to do. By faith, we can. By faith, we can finish the course. By faith, we can finish our race that's set before us. By faith. We've got to stop thinking that we can't do it simply because our, our physical eye says to us, we can't do it. Well, no, we can't do it. That's, on, that's being honest. But when we, when we move from the, from the realm of our physical sight to the realm of faith, by faith all things are possible with God. By faith. We find, we find that, uh, uh, that uh, God it will do the, uh, what we cannot do, but He won't do what, what we can do. When uh, Paul was on the Damascus Road... Uh, uh, God saved God saved him and called him uh, uh, into the gospel ministry, but then he told him to go somewhere. God could have transported him over there. He's he, he's done that with people before, right? He's transported uh, 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 he transported Stephen. Uh, 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 no, I'm sorry, Philip. One day he transported him over to the Ethiopian eunuch. Just boom! I don't know how he got there, but it was fast. Uh, he doesn't need us. To uh, to uh, to walk somewhere, he could transport us any way. But he told Paul to go. He told uh, he told Peter in uh, in Acts chapter number twelve when he was uh, in prison for preaching the gospel. He had two uh, he had two guards on each side of him uh, there, and uh, Peter was uh, was in shackles, his hands and his feet. And the Bible says that prayer was made without ceasing on behalf of Peter, the church. Boy, that that would be... I'd like to be involved in a prayer meeting like that. Amen. Prayer uh, was made without ceasing. God's people uh, was serious about prayer. Not to try to arm twist God, but to to bring uh, God's will down to them in uh, in order for them to... 
to return that uh, the will of God, that God was going to deliver Peter out of uh, prison. It wasn't, uh, wasn't Peter's time to go to heaven. God had uh, much more work for Peter ahead. And uh, so the angel that, uh, of God came, and the uh, Bible says he cast a, a deep sleep on the soldiers. Boy, they had the best night's sleep they ever had in their life. God, and uh, the angel of God broke the shackles off of uh, Peter's uh, uh, arms and legs. And uh, Peter, uh, he told Peter to stand up. And then what did, what did the angel of the Lord do to uh, tell Peter? Put your shoes on. He couldn't break the shackles. He couldn't escape the, uh, the guards. But he could do some things. And, and the thing that he could do at that particular time was put his shoes on. God will not do. For us, what we can do. Amen? Number three, God will not ask uh, for what you don't have, but what you do have. <laughs> he says here uh, in verses 2 through 4, He says, uh, uh, he says uh, What shall I do for thee? And, uh, and uh, then he, uh, uh, Elisha says uh, to her, What hast thou in thy house? God's not going to ask for... Uh, for what you don't have, but he's going to ask for what you do have in order to make it a blessing for your uh, and to meet your needs. Two questions Elijah asked. What do you need? What do you have? Don't expect God to give to you what you need until you have given to God of what you have. By the way, that, that, comes, that comes under the principle of giving to God too. God doesn't ask you to give to Him a million dollars if you don't have it. When you, study, when you study giving in Corinthians, you'll find that God never asks of us to give monies that we don't have presently. He's never asked of us to give back to Him of, of material, materials, uh, monies, anything like that, unless it's in our hands to give. Okay, just remember that. So it's very, very important for us to not pledge monies that we don't have to God. Don't be promising God, I'm going to give this to you when you don't have it. God didn't ask you to do that. By the way, because you have no uh, security of your circumstances, those Funds, though that money may never show up. You may never see that. Even though you may have been uh, earnest, sincere, you wanted to do it. Listen, God has never asked us to give to Him what we don't have, but He will ask of us what we, ha- what we do have. Uh, number four, God will use no matter, God will use no matter how little you have. The widow just had a pot of oil. That's all she had. And I want you to notice how she spoke about that. Uh, he, when he asked uh, uh, what you have in the house, she said, I don't have anything save this pot of oil. I can just see her saying right now, that's all I got. That, that's not enough. It doesn't matter if it's enough, if it's given to God for God to use. God can make it enough. Amen. And we've, we, we have the story to, to show that it doesn't take very much for God to uh, to meet our needs, even if those needs are astronomical in our minds. He, he's, not re, he's not restricted as you and I are. You know, uh, 
God, uh, Moses only had a stick. David only had a slingshot. The lad in the in the the, the gospels, he had just a just a just a lunch. The Lord said, uh, uh, "Make the men sit down and feed them." And of course, one of the uh, disciples, you know, they said, "Well, two hundred penny worth of bread would not feed this uh, such a great multitude." And uh, uh, one of the disciples saw this lad who had volunteered came forward and said, here, use this. And they said, here's a lad that has a, uh, that has a lunch, but what is that among so many? And the Lord said, make the men sit down. And they took that lunch, that little insignificant lunch, to feed a little boy. wasn't even a man's meal. Used that to feed thousands with leftovers. Oh, listen, God... God will use no matter how little that we might, uh, we might have. He, he'll use it. Number five, obedient faith opens the window to God's storehouse of blessings. We find in verses five and six as we read the story of how, uh, how the widow woman, uh, uh, by obedience to the man of God, his word, and uh, went and borrowed the vessels and began to take that pot of oil and pour it into each vessel. I don't know what transpired, but I'm not sure if she realized what was going on, but she certainly did by the end. When she saw the amount of pots that were completely filled to the brim, and I believe they were all the way filled, of oil. And uh, listen, obedient faith opens the window to God's storehouse. I don't even like using the two words because... Real faith is synonymous to obedience. In fact, faith works... Now listen to this very carefully. Faith works within the realm of obedience. You know, the Bible talks about being obedient to the Gospel. You just don't get faith just by thinking, you know, I just believe that God's going to give me a gold-plated car. And I'm going to believe so hard that it's going to come. I've been asking God for a red pickup truck for 25 years. Still haven't got it. I realize that I don't need that red. I don't need that red truck anymore. I've got one that's almost red, uh, a red color. It's called rust, uh, but it's getting closer to red all the time. Amen. I got a truck that gets me from point A to point B. It carries any any amount of uh, of, uh, of of uh, weight that I want it, and it leaves things behind to, to remember it by. Rust and it, the things just. I'll, I'll see a piece of metal over here and a piece of metal over there. Oh, I, I must have been there. There's my there's proof of it. Lastly, here now we got we got to finish up. God expects us to be good stewards. Of his blessing, I mentioned stewardship in, in the, uh, earlier on. We are not the owners. We do not, in reality, we don't own anything. You say, "Oh yeah, I got a house, I got a car, I got clothes." Okay, well, are you going to be able to take that with you to heaven? Owners take their belongings right anywhere they go. We are not owners of anything. 
We are merely stewards of God's blessings. And because of that, we are responsible to be good stewards of His blessings. I want you to notice there, and I'm going to hurry here. Verse number 7. She came and told the man of God and said, and he said, Go, sell the oil. Now notice here, and this is the order of responsibility in stewardship. Pay thy debt first. And live thou. Not, not uh, use this money for frivolity or just wastefulness. Notice here. And live thou and thy children of the rest. That's stewardship. Responsible for what God has blessed us with. Now, does that mean that God's an ogre and He wants you to be miserly? No, absolutely not. God is not a miserly God. He is a giving God. He gives to us things far above what we could ask or think, does He not? Does God meet our needs? Has He given us even some of our wants? Absolutely. So don't think that that uh, uh, stu- uh, uh, stewardship, uh, uh, financial stewardship, is all about, you know, pinching the pennies and just, not, you know, you, you know, prying a penny out of somebody's hand. Oh, they're a good steward. No, they're a miser. We just need to have the wisdom uh, from God to know how to be stewards when it comes to financial responsibility. Can we, can we splurge, if you would, splurge a little bit? Well, sure we can. God doesn't want us to just eat uh, beans and cornbread, although I'm not opposed to that. Good uh, ham bone in that pot. Man, I tell you what, I feel like I'm closer to heaven. But there is, a, there is an element that, that I'm afraid in the last two generations has totally escaped them. And that's about financial responsibility. I see, uh, I, and I, I don't mean this in a, in a uh, cold way, but I see, uh, I see uh, people on the street corners, you know, with signs, smoking cigarettes. How in the world they get that much money for a pack of cigarettes? I do not know. But to me, that says, hey, you could have had, a, you could have had a, probably a full meal on the on that pack of cigarettes. That's irresponsibility in my book. I know how vices are and things, but I'm just saying, if you're, if you're, and they were, they're basically begging for, for, for a, a handout, unwilling to take responsibility for their financial condition. And now there are some that generally has needs, and I, I ask God for wisdom to know who those are, because I believe that we're responsible to, to, to. Give a helping hand up, but never a handout. No one needs a handout. Everyone needs a hand up once once in a while. Amen. Well, I thought I just hope these things, these truths, these lessons will help you a little bit. Elijah and the widow woman. Don't discount God in whatever circumstances you've been in, or or are going to be in, or in right now. God doesn't change. God doesn't move. God doesn't leave us. He's always right 
there in the midst of the circumstance. So stop focusing on the circumstances so much that you can't see the one who can help you and I in the circumstance. Amen? Father in heaven, thank you again for your blessings. I, I do ask that you would just seal the truths in our hearts. Let us not be forgetful tonight uh, and the truths now, Lord. We need, everyone in this room needs uh, these truths to, to be, uh, be put deep in our hearts. We would uh, rehearse them, that we would meditate upon those truths, and we would realize, God, that you are you're in control of, of everything. You know the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. You know the choice.